Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast, I am proud to say, is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it's all because of my incredible guest. They, I'm honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. Now, these are not people who hold back. Their goal coming on this podcast is to share with us the essence of peak performance, And my guest today, Catherine Caputa, is a personal brand strategist, speaker, award-winning author, and founder of Self Brand. And I'm going to give you links to that in a bit. From Madison Avenue to Wall Street to the halls of academia, Catherine perfected her ability to market products, places, and companies. Yet she came to appreciate that one of the most important applications for branding is actually not for products. It's for individuals and how they define their career identity and create their own success. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of things, including Catherine's new book, The Brand New You, How to Wow in the New World of Work, which is on my desk as we speak. The Brand New You is a field guide. Listen to this. The Brand New You is a field guide to smashing through the noise, standing out, and succeeding in the new professional landscape transformed by the pandemic and its aftermath. We're all still working through that. In her book and in this this conversation today, you're going to be introduced to the top 10 personal brand positioning strategies. Sorry, my cat is behind me doing something he should not be doing. <laughs> I'll smack him later. You will have ac- In her book, you will have access, and online, you'll have access to her online personal brand finder assessment test, which gives you a personalized assessment of which positioning strategies align best with your personality type preferences, and strengths. I fall in the leader category. I was so shocked. I really was. When we got off we got off the phone during our pre-interview and I went straight to that thing, I went, no, I'm not really a leader. Of course I am, and I had to give myself a talk. So very quickly, Catherine has given branding presentations and conducted employee workshops at many of today's most innovative companies that you're going to recognize, Google, Microsoft, PepsiCo, Intel, Merck, Unilever, and City, and she has been ranked in the top 30 global gurus in branding. Catherine, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio, and thank you for sending me your book. Well, thanks for inviting me, Denise. I'm looking forward to it. I am, too. Your book is fabulous. I mean, when I may have you just tell people where to find it right now because I think it's important, but it's the new capitalized brand, you capitalized, which is right. important, new you. So I get it. But tell people very quickly where they can find the book if they want to grab it while we're talking. Okay, great. Well, it's on Amazon. So, I mean, that's the quickest way to find it. But, you know, these days there's a lot of books with similar titles, so you need to make sure it's mine, Uh, Catherine Caputa, K-A-P-U-T-A. But that's the quickest way to get it. Um, It's in Barnes & Noble. It's at major bookstores, independent bookstores as well. And it's on my desk. And it's on your desk, right? <laughs> yes. With a note from me, right? You're right. And that would think. I wanted to tell you, thank you for the beautiful note you you wrote me a note on your little letterhead, and you also wrote a, 
a note in the book, and both of these are going all over the Internet because <laughs> I love <laughs> wow. this. I interview a lot of authors in my office, and I've said this many times before, my office, which is in my home, has always been an office. It was never a bedroom, but I've got three bookcases in here filled with hundreds of books. Every single one of these books came from people like you, my, my guests, and I read them, and I read them, and then I review them, and I tell other people to go read them and why they should go read them. So thank you for the book. But tell me before I get you know, too far off field here, tell us a bit about you that you want the audience to know about, and then we're going to talk about branding. Right. Um, well, I got interested in branding because I wanted to make a career change early in my career, and everywhere I went, people branded me, but they branded me not in the way that I wanted to be branded. You know, they branded me, you know, to give you one example, I started out in the nonprofit area. I worked at the Seattle Art Museum. I had this great job, first job out of college. But then I had a personal branding crisis crisis after I was there for a number of years. And I thought, gee, is this really what I want to do with my life? Is it as dynamic an environment as I needed? And so, you know, I had all this angst and confusion and I decided to go back to my original major in college, which was journalism and advertising, go from Seattle to New York City and find a job in advertising. And everywhere I went, you know, people said, you're an academic, you know, you're a scholar, you're an art historian, you know, you can't start in the advertising business. So that's what got me interested because you know, I didn't have control over my fate. And everyone kept rejecting me until I started thinking, you know, I've got to think of what will make them see me differently. And so I had to redefine my career, my first career at the Seattle Art Museum, to, so it wasn't as academic as it sounded, um, and talk about the a- exhibitions that I put on at the museum. And I compared them to, like, marketing a difficult product, because my field was Asian art. So I had to have more creative ideas for the kind of shows that I put out there to attract a crowd into the museum. And that new positioning us. So I said, you know, I'm a marketer for difficult products. So give me your tough assignments. And that's how I got my break. And I got my first job in in advertising. And I learned, you know, if you don't brand yourself, other people will. And I can guarantee you, they're not going to brand you in the way you want to be branded. So whether you're an employee or you're an entrepreneur, you've got to take charge of your personal brand. And that leads me to a note that I wrote down when I was reading your book that we often don't know how to brand ourselves. I'm struggling with that right now. Because like you, I do a lot of things. I know a lot of things. I've got just buckets of things that I can do, have done, don't want to do again. But how do you brand that? And it's it's difficult. It's very difficult, and, and it's a very common problem. And that's why there's so many assessment tests out there, you know, strengths finders and others. And, you know, I put together an assessment test that leads into, you know, the most popular and successful personal brand strategies because, you know, we're, we're so close to ourselves. We really can't see what is, what is our key strength that we want to hang our hat on because a lot of people, you know, you ask them, well, tell me about yourself. You know, when I was in the advertising business, you know, I started out at ad agencies, but then I was a corporate ad director And when I interview people to hire them, you know, and ask an opening question like, well, tell me about yourself. I mean, people stumbled over that. (laughs) You know, they didn't know how to, what their value added was. They didn't know what their unique selling proposition was. 
you know, I, I say in my book, you need to be able to brand yourself in a sentence, you know, a sentence that captures your personal brand advantage, what's different about you and why it matters. And it's a hard thing. That's why I put together the, you know, I worked with a psychologist and putting together this uh, brand finder assessment test, you know, and so people can have directions based on their personality type, based on their preferences. Um, and also, you know, it's a lot of times when you do an assessment test like this, you're going to be, you know, 50% one thing and 30% something else. So you need to get involved too and figure out, well, in the current environment, where are the openings? You know, we, we say in the advertising business, you know, look for the white space. Look for a positioning that no one else owns in the marketplace that you can own. And I think, you know, Denise, that's one of the things you've captured, you know, a, a unique kind of style to your podcast. So that, that really connects with your audience. You wouldn't have this global audience unless you really connected with people and stood for something that, you know, that was important to them. Well, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. And my audience knows that I am a highly committed introvert. You're not going mm-hmm. to see me outside. My groceries are delivered. I bought my house online. I bought my car online. I don't wow. dislike people. I'm only good for 59 and three-quarter minutes, and I have to go. <laughs> Got to go now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And more than two people in a room is two people for me. It's just I need to be alone a lot. But this podcast gives me massive opportunity to meet and learn from people like you. So it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. But you you just said something so important, and I'm reading, I'm on page five of your book. Oversimplify your message. You need to craft a cohesive right. but simple narrative that points people in the direction you want to take your brand, even if it involves can't this this hurt my feelings. Even if right. it involves canceling or downplaying something that you are proud of, you must eliminate complexity and confusion so that you have an oversimplified message that gets through. I have a crap ton of stuff that I can do. Right. Oversimplifying that is just has me going, oh, geez, where do I start? So then I leave and I go cook something because I can't, I can't deal <laughs> right. with it. You know? But right. you're right. We have to make it. It used to be called some years ago, it was your elevator pitch. Now it's right. your branding right. tag. But how do we do that? I mean, how do we just take all of these, especially as we – we grow in our businesses and we you know, meet new people and talk with people like you. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, I need to add that. I didn't know I was good at that. Let me add that. Oh, let me take that back out. <laughs> so where do you go? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very good question. I think what you're looking for and you're defining your brand is you're looking for a focused idea. So this is where this thing comes in. You don't want to confuse people. And I'm telling you, it's very confusing with so many people. Well, I can do this and I can do that. I can do that. You know, being a jack of all trades or Jill of all trades is nowhere as well in branding. And so you want to own an idea, an idea you can say in a sentence. But you also want your idea to be different. And you want examples, you know, for example, blah, blah, blah. So you can weave in a lot of these new things, but you've got to have it all fit on an umbrella so it's all together. And, you know, the third thing you want to think about is your brand positioning has to be relevant to the target audience and relevant to what's happening in the world today. And that's a key thing you need to, you know, so a branding, you know, positioning isn't a static thing. It's something you need to look at and tweak 
And that's, you know, we're in a whole new world. I mean, we didn't have podcasting. You know, we had radio interviews, you know, five years ago. You know, now it's podcasting. And, and it's, you know, and, and Denise, it's a great thing that you latched onto it as a device because you have a great voice and you have a very open style, intimate sharing things about your cat or whatever it is. So people feel a part like they know you. And, you know, that really is one thing that I think really stands out about your approach. And you're a woman, you know, most podcasters, I was seeing a statistic that, you know, the highest percentage is of men. So you've got a woman's perspective, uh, which I think is important. But I think it's, you know, it's hard to do, but you want to, you know, I talk in the book too about how I evolved my brand a little bit. So as I said, when I first got into the advertising uh, business, I branded myself as a marketer for difficult products. Um, then when I was um, looking to expand and get more responsibility and get promoted, um, I had an interview on the I Love New York campaign at its ad agency, Wells Rich Green at the time. And they were looking for someone that had obviously travel experience, uh, but they were looking for somebody too that had a lot of TV experience, was basically a TV campaign. And I had very little of that. I, the first jobs I got in advertising, it was print advertising, it was mainly business to business. It's kind of where you start in the business. And, but I had a friend that worked there and he told me, you know, you'll never get the job because they're looking for somebody with heavy TV experience and commercials and worked on big brands and you don't have that. And he said, besides, I don't know if you really want to work on this account because, you know, it's the client's very difficult. You know, you're dealing with a lot of politicians. They don't get along with each other. You've got to build consensus. You know, the last person just, you know, threw up her hands and said, get me out of here. You know, anyway, I said, you know, get me an interview and that's what led me to the idea of expanding my positioning a little bit. And I said in the interview, because the first thing the interviewer said is, what are you doing here? You know, we're looking for people very experienced and running big TV campaigns. And, and I said, well, my specialties working on difficult products and with difficult clients. And I told them, and I didn't tell them, my friend told me the client was very difficult. But I got that, you know, doing my research, I got that information. And I could see his eyes widen when I said that. And I talked about how I was good at building consensus with clients I'd worked on. And I gave him some examples. So you want to evolve your brand. You know, you want to make it relevant to uh, if you're trying to get a job, you want to make it relevant to that job. But again, it was in this whole thing of difficult things. You know, I can handle the difficult assignments. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to work on challenging things. And that's the whole way I positioned myself. And, you know, it really was, you know, very useful for me in, you know, moving around. And even when I didn't have all the qualifications and getting an assignment, I became senior VP in charge of branding uh, for the I Love New York campaign during its heyday. So that was a lot of fun. And I love what you're saying about you you took your brand and then you just evolved it as needed, whatever right. situation you happened to be in. You didn't just say, well, here's my brand. Why don't you love me? You know right. what's going on here? I worked hard right. on that thing. But you were able to take that and dig into what they really needed by listening. And I think there's a lot of empathy going on there. You know, right. I don't know about you, but I suspect strongly that you do much as I do by listening in between the lines. Well, and that's you what hear women are very good at. Not, women are, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Very good at and, empathy you know, a lot of and people picking don't. up things. 
that exactly. other people don't see. Exactly right. And you, you know, know we, I'm always saying to my husband things like, geez, so and so seems very upset today, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, What are you talking about? I didn't notice anything different. <laughs> you know, see, women are very good at picking up these subtle clues and it's a very useful thing. In the it is if you world. run with it. If it it yeah. is if you pay attention to it and you understand that this is a very strong part of your personality part of your personality and you really should be aware of it and use it. Right. Yeah, it's very important. It's a, it's a very powerful positioning. And, you know, uh, a lot of research, and, you know, you, you say you, when you took the assessment test, you came out as a strong leader. Women in, have generally have a different le- leadership style than men in the sense that it tends to be more collaborative and more um, using empathy and picking up subtle clues, getting people to work together, delegating all those kind of traits are associated more with the woman's leadership style. And it's, it can be a real advantage because you have this empathy so people feel connected to you and your leadership. And so that's a very powerful thing that a lot of us women have that, that we should utilize more. We, I agree with you, absolutely, and that was very well said. One of the things that this is a, a little quote, I think, from you. On, I'm only on page eight. I've been through this whole book twice. But it says, <laughs> personal branding makes you an active partner in your career. And this is important. Let me repeat this. Personal branding makes you an active partner in your career and life destiny. Right. That's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's so important because, you know, I could have given up when, you know, here's my friend telling me you don't have a chance for this job. And I said, get me an interview. You know, he worked at the ad agency. I said, get me an interview and give me a chance to pitch myself. And, you know, if people connect with what you're saying and the stories you're telling. And by the way, you've got to have examples that show your positioning in action, the things you've done for this client, this happened, and this is how I handled it. So you need to bring it to life, not just making a a statement, my brand is about blah, blah, but, for example, and demonstrating it. And using examples, you know, that you've picked up in doing research, talking to people who know that company or that client, if you have your own business, and giving you, figuring out, how can I be the right person for this job or this client or this, you know, getting this assignment, um, utilizing, you know, my identity and who I am. You know, so you want to be true to yourself, but you also want to be responsive to what's needed in the marketplace and what people are missing. And of a whole, you know, as I said earlier, the white space, a whole you can fulfill like no one else can. And that can be right. very compelling. Yeah. Well, and it would be. I mean, so many people, like in the podcast industry right now, there's an awful lot of really bad advice running around, Mm -hmm. bad advice. Mm -hmm. And I have a contrarian view about most of it. In fact, I'm writing a book about it, and I'm, you know, creating some educational courses because I just don't believe a lot of what's been bandied about by podcasters who have been podcasting for, oh, ten minutes. Don't listen uh-huh, to that. Right. They don't know what the right. heck they're doing. But that holds true with any industry. Right. So my point is you find people who truly are expert and you follow them. You watch them. You mm-hmm. read their books. You, you figure right. out how they're doing what you really want to be doing at some level and learn from the experts. Look, learn from the people who have actually 
done the work. Right, right. Well, you know, and it's funny. I agree with you. There's a lot of that going on with people with very little experience, very little background. You know, it's an avenue that's open to anyone and relatively inexpensive to do. And, you know, they can talk a good line, but it's, it's bogus, you know. You know, we, we see this with, you know, a lot of people in the news these days. Um, you know, I'm thinking of somebody like Elizabeth Holmes who headed Theranos, you know. Yeah, isn't she in jail now? Yeah, just, well, she's, got, she's not literally in jail yet, but she's scheduled to go, but she's appealing, oh, okay. so I think it's going to be, and she's pregnant. Again, she got pregnant during the first, you know, before the first trial as well. Um, but she told a great story, and she had almost no medical experience. You know, she, again, was a Stanford University dropout, so she had that, you know, dropout persona that a lot of, you know, Steve Jobs and other people that, you know, became very famous in technology. But she had, you know, a strong ability to, to sell to people and tell a story Unfortunately, it wasn't a true story <laughs> and, uh, about what the you know a pinprick can uh, that you could do in your home can give you a read on 200 blood tests that you would get, you know, if you were do- going to a hospital. And uh, you know, she eventually got found out because went through you know hundreds of millions of dollars that people invested, and um, you know, people that worked for her testified, you know, that they were mis identifying a lot of the results. And so, it, you know, it, the truth came out in that particular case. But there's a lot that goes on because, you know, it went on for years and she got investors to give in the tune of like $1 billion overall, including a lot of famous people like Henry Kissinger that were on her board of directors. Uh, she had a number of very high-profile former cabinet officers. So she was very good at telling a story and captivating people. She was very attractive. You know, she wore this black turtleneck sweater like Steve Jobs. She had like 150 of them, you know, in her PR and stuff like that. But it was all a scam, you know, it was all bogus. So it, you know, it's, you know, it's always got to be authentic, you know, but there's no one to stop anyone from having a podcast. And, you know, so I think it's going to be interesting what you do, that book. Yeah. Well, my my role in this, as far as I can see it, my role in this is to help people, not mm-hmm. say, what the hell are you doing? Why did you do what, what the heck? And I do a lot of that. You know, I mean, right. I belong to a couple of Facebook, I don't say it, but I belong to a couple of Facebook groups in particular that honestly, Catherine, I will never need a facelift. I read some of these advice things that are going on in there. My eyebrows right. hit the hairline, and I look permanently surprised like I had a really bad facelift. It's like, what the uh-huh. heck are you people talking about? Right, right, Have you even right. tried this? So my goal is to help people do what I do and what other, you know, happy podcasters do and not not ruin it by doing silly things like, you know, a, just what, and you read it, you know, you said it earlier, you know, a fake, or I think I read it maybe, but having a, right. a false position in your branding. You know, right, and, right. And you know, while we're talking about false positioning, look at Sam Bankman, Fried, Freed, whatever, uh, Freed, the guy right. who, the Bitcoin genius. Right. I, I looked Can at I tell him you, I became went, obsessed. I don't I think so. I became obsessed with his story. I know, I became obsessed with his story. 
you know, because he rose to the top. He was a billionaire. And again, you know, he looked the part like she looked the part in her, you know, Steve Jobs uh, turtlenecks. You know, his thing was that kind of crazy hair, you know, mop head. And uh, he always wore shorts to meetings. And so he looked like this boy genius, you know, and he did go, you know, graduate from MIT. And, you know, he, he again was a good branding person. Unfortunately, like Elizabeth Holmes, it was not a true story. It coming out like a number of people that co-founded uh, SPX with him uh, have testified that they were guilty of, you know, taking a lot of money of clients' money that they thought were being held for them in trust and investing it, you know, trying to improve some of their investments that bombed. And, uh, and then, of course, the new money didn't do well either. So they took very high-risk bets, thinking they'd be able to make money very quickly. But it didn't work out. So but that's that was, the dark like, side of personal branding, if, the, if the there's no authenticity to it. Right. Right. Exactly. And most people can pick up on that, but he fooled a lot of people too. You know, there are many sophisticated investors that invested in his companies and, uh, you know, are regretting it now. And that's what, you know, the law case is all about. And he's, you know, claiming, I didn't know anything. You know, I was running it, but I delegated everything. And they, you know, I guess did this all behind my back. But anyway, yeah, so it's, there's a dark side of branding because people can use the power of it, particularly – you know, an idea that's relevant to the market, you know, having a strong visual and verbal identity, you know, looking the part is very powerful. And, uh, you know, it can work for you or work against you. And having a strong messaging ability, obviously, both these examples we're using, they were good at marketing themselves and they were good at telling a story that was very compelling to people. Unfortunately, it wasn't a true story. And let's. I wanted to go back a little bit because we we're talking about this. We jump. I want to jump back just a little bit because you say that personal branding is no longer optional, which I've known for a while. And you mm-hmm. talked about you know hitting that reset button to compete and and succeed. And you know that if we don't brand ourselves, other people will. This is something that I had written down or or I had taken it out of your book. I don't remember where I got it, but. It says we face new problems today in visibility if we choose remote or hybrid working, irrelevant due to the fast pace of change and new technologies like AI, artificial intelligence. Look, I work remotely. You're never going to see me. There are no pictures of me on the Internet. There never have been. There never will be. It's a personal choice. Mm -hmm. But I managed to work around that. Right, right. Because it's, you know, I, I cite several in the book, but, you know, a lot of research studies point it's more powerful to meet someone in person or to do, have a conversation or have a meeting that's in person in real time. You can see them. You can see their reaction to things. You pick up on these subtle clues. All these things are very powerful. But if you're an introvert, maybe that's not a good option for you. And maybe if you're somebody who wants to work out of your home and work remotely, but you kind of make up for that gap. And obviously one of the things, you have a very powerful tool, you know, in connecting with people through this podcast and bringing in different experts, but having a conversation with them and 
you know, so that people get intrigued and involved in the, the issues that you chose. You, you thought this book was good. You thought this person might be an interesting for your audience that watches, you know, that listens in to your podcast. So there are different ways of doing it, but you've, you know, I, I feel strongly that uh, personal branding is not, you know, you know, look at what happened in the, in the technology world. You know, the last three years during the pandemic, they were hiring people like mad. Now they're firing tens of thousands of people, you know, at Microsoft, Google, Amazon, you know, every day in the paper, there's new ones announced that are cutting back in big numbers. And so if you have a personal brand, if you have part of that is having a network and part of that is being in touch with people and being able to pitch yourself well um, is very, very important because I think we're going to have a, a continued dynamic world of change. You know, uh, my husband is like, you know, he's a technology person, but he, he's very concerned about AI taking jobs. And because, you know, if you look at that, that new one that, you know, on AI uh, chat, I'm forgetting the full name of it, but anyway, I was on it, you know, chat and I gave GPT. them a topic. Yeah, chat, chat yeah. GPT. And I've been playing with it. It's fascinating. Scary as hell. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it yep. amazing? It's frightening. You can say, I'm, I'm looking for an article on XYZ topic, and it gives you in like a matter of seconds, you know, a pretty good first draft. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it's totally amazing. So it's, it's a technology that is going to take away a lot of jobs that humans are doing now, unless you think of where is the future for me? You know, where do I see new opportunities? How can I be, you know, a must have, you know, because we're not at the point where these robots can do everything, but they're, they're getting pretty far involved. And as I said, you've looked at it, Denise, I've, been playing with it a little bit myself i mean it's pretty amazing and it's just in the beta phase right now what it can right, do but so you know it's and you, you said something right you said something important too you can have it create something for you but it's a good first start so you can take that document whatever was produced and then mm-hmm. you can say oh this is good there's some ideas i haven't thought of. and you can rewrite right. it in your own voice so don't right know, it's scary it can be scary but I've I've produced some things that I'm like, oh, my gosh, now did I put them out the way they wrote it? No. But it was no, basically right. like a blueprint for me. It's like, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. And I'll rewrite right. it the way I want it rewritten. So there's that. And there's examples that you can put in that they wouldn't know about, uh, personal examples in your career or job. You know, so there's – and it's it, critical that you look at it as a as a blueprint, you know, as a beginning. And and it's very useful for that because I was shocked at how well it did. And, you know, universities are getting concerned because students don't have to write papers anymore. They can do this route. So I think that, you know, it's going to transform how we learn things as well because what's important is going to be not the initial drafts or people who put things together like that, but the more sophisticated ideas with examples and um you know, interpretation and ideas that are not coming out of that, you know, robot world. Right. And think about a new industry or two that will come of this. You know, I'm already reading about people who have said, we are creating something that says, you know, if you're an educator or, you know, whoever you are, 
you can put that particular article in this piece of machinery, if you will, online machinery, and it'll tell mm-hmm. you if it was handwritten or man or machine written. Yes, exactly. So that's yeah, going to be exactly. a whole new thing. People are going to get called out for that, and right. which is probably a good thing. With right. Yeah. No. Definitely. But, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's there's going to be a lot of things happening that I'm fa- I'm a techie person. I'm a t- I'm a nerd in stilettos. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by all of it. Does it worry me? Yep. <laughs> Am I a little yeah, bit afraid of it? Right. You betcha. Will I use it? Absolutely. Within yeah, reason. Yeah, and that's why it's good to yeah, that's why it's good to understand it and see how it might fit in. You know, when I <clears throat> first started working, everybody had a secretary. You know, maybe you shared a secretary or you had your private secretary. But later, secretaries were eliminated with, you know, laptops and all of that. And I remember somebody saying to me at one of the companies I worked at, you know, that's not right. You know, I was a secretary. I want, I like being a secretary. Well, at that point, you know, only the CEO of the company, you know, (laughs) a private secretary, you know, everybody else, we were setting up our own meetings online and, you know, using our laptops to write our own memos and things like that. You've got to look at where is the future going and where can my unique talents fit into them? And there's always new jobs and new industries and new takes on things that are happening. So that's it. You know, I have a question I want to ask you, Denise. Why did you decide not to have your picture anywhere on the Internet? What was the thinking behind that? You, you just want I, privacy? Is that Well, there's certainly or, that. And I read 1984 when I was a kid. scared me the jeebers out of me. <laughs> it still does. Mm-hmm. And guess what right. we're living in now? But the truth is, my grandmother kind of scarred me a little bit emotionally when I was somewhere between 8 and 10 years old. I used to think it was 5, but I realized I was between 8 and 10. And we I was the oldest of a whole passel of kids. There was five of us mm-hmm. at the time. And we had been outside playing, and we were all dirty and grubby, and we were told that my grandmother and grandfather were showing up unexpectedly. They were driving three or four hours to get there, and my mother panicked. And she said, everybody get in the tub. I was at the age where I didn't want to be in a tub with a bunch of naked kids, boys and right. girls. I was just I was already miserable about that. And then here right. comes my grandmother, who I've been very frank about. I didn't like her. She was a difficult, mm-hmm. difficult person. I didn't like her even as a child. And she mm-hmm. stuck her face in there, that bathroom in a camera, and she kept taking pictures of us. Oh, and I kept asking. Wow. I was pleading with her, please don't take pictures of me naked. Please don't. And she just right. laughed and kept taking pictures. And Catherine, mm-hmm. I've never felt so enraged and helpless yeah, in my life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. And it stuck with me. So it's mm-hmm. a personal thing. There are Seriously, mm-hmm. I don't think in the last 20 years there are any pictures of me. I just don't wow. allow them. In fact, mm-hmm. my former mother-in-law got her her iPhone dumped into a picture of sweet iced tea because she mm-hmm. was in my house taking pictures after she had been asked repeatedly to stop doing it. So I just killed her phone. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, when you take a stand, it's, it's your personal stand, but, you know, it's also right. become part of my personal branding. Yeah, no, it, it, and, it, and, it, and it's very powerful because you connect with people that's just as powerful without the visuals. You know, and it's it's a, a pretty amazing achievement because, as I said, there's so much research that shows the power of connecting with somebody face to face is very powerful. Well, so. and I'm glad you said that because the other day I was I was having one of those days where I had three webinars that I had signed up to be on, and I was watching. I'll be honest with you, I turned 
the screen off and I just listened to them. One of them, I mean, I actually had to leave that one. One person was eating. One lady sounded like an elderly valley girl, and I can't remember what the third one did that irritated me so badly, but when I could just hear them, I could listen. Watching right. them, I found really distracting. So I think it's whoever, whatever your personality is. I, right. I don't watch TV. I very rarely watch TV. I don't enjoy it. It puts me to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll listen and I'll read anything. So I think it's really yeah. how you, you know, how do you learn and then go find that. You know, how, how do, do you learn? How are you going right. to exactly, exactly? Right. So yeah, I, I didn't get what so, you're saying, so but it's not me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's what's important to realize and and make what is you your primary vehicle and make it work, which is what you've done, you know. And, and, you know, I write in the book, podcasting is very powerful. You know, we all have a unique voice. No one sounds exactly like you. And um, just like your, you know, fingerprint, you know, identifies you, you know, your voice. We all have a unique voice. We do. It can be, yeah, and it, and uh, and, and I like to, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, um, but I also like the idea that you can tune in whenever you want to, you know, and uh, build and a library. Wherever. And, and wherever. And wherever. You can be right. walking the dog. You can be in your car. Yeah, right. you're obviously not going to be watching a YouTube video or, you know, something that where you, like a webinar where you need to be on there. But people like listening to people. They really yes. do. Yeah, no, I, I like it, and for that reason, and I have, I'm, you know, video is so powerful too. But I'm like you; I'm much more prone myself to picking up a book or listening. Uh, I like the focus, and I like this. In fact, you, you know, as you say, you can walk the dog, you can, you know, be driving your car, you, and you do it when you have the time, and can get involved. And and I find people's voices and little ad you know jokes or comments or just the conversation can be very very compelling and often uh you know when you look at tv like tv news a lot of it seems so canned and everybody looks perfect and it's not as effective with me i think there's you know you've got a lot going on you're looking at the person you're looking at what they're wearing you're hearing what they're saying you know often there's panels talking um yeah, it's, and I think that, you know, it, so many programs are so similar to other programs and have the same people on. So, you know, cardinal rule of branding is you want to be different and have a different spin than other right, people in a right. different way you structure the show and your personality and, we were, and the kind of things you select. Exactly, and I cut cable 12 years ago. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. I just don't watch it. I was talking with a podcast guest probably a couple of months now and you know you get conversation you, you're talking and you're chatting and for some reason we were talking about tv which i i seriously do not watch and i couldn't mm-hmm. remember i had a brain fart it was embarrassing but i could not remember what the name of the clicker thingy was obviously by the time he was through listening to me he couldn't remember it either and about 30 minutes later, we went, ah, oh, remote control. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, you just, it's funny, but I don't watch any of that stuff. I get my news, but I don't watch right. it like that. I just, I'm not going to have that stuff in my living room. But you're talking right. about some, at some point, you and I discussed, I think, the or, the wisdom of the oracle at Delphi. 
Right, and you say right. That most people don't know who they are and the value they bring to a business situation, and you've talked about that a little bit. But do you have any case studies that you can share? Right. Well, you know, I sort of um, told you a little bit about my own story, you know, having this career in Asian art and then figuring out this isn't for me and making a complete U-turn, which people tell me, oh, you can't do. You have to go back to school to get another degree. And, you know, I didn't want to do that after, you know, I had done a lot of that. But I think that, um, you know, branding is really a three-step process. And the first step is in many ways the most important step. It's you want to analyze to find your brand idea. And you're looking for, you know, your unique selling proposition, what's different about you. And I think, you know, I think there's certain ways you can begin with it. And, you know, in the branding world, if you work at ad agencies like I did, you know, you start out with free association. Before you do any research, you know, what comes to mind when you think about yourself? Just write down whatever comes to your mind, what's different about you, the value you bring, the career path that, that you want to see for yourself, and just write it all down without you know, just top of mind, you know, just don't censor Don't anything. edit Put yourself, just free flow it. Don't, just free flow it. So see okay. what kind of comes out of your unconscious. Then you want to maybe ask other people, you know, take somebody out for coffee and say, you know, I'm, you know, intrigued with this personal branding idea and I'm working on how it can help my business. And I wonder if you can just tell me, when you think of me, what words come to mind? And just listen to what they say. And don't get to, why are you saying that? You know, just probe. But can you explain that a little bit more? Or things like that. So you want to, you know, get how other people see you. Because one of the most important things in branding is it's not what you want to say to people. It's what people want to hear. And so you want to think outside in. What does my market need? Um, Who are they? How do they see me? And you need to understand that because you may need to shift that if they see you in a way that you don't want to be known for. Just like I was seen as an academic, you know, I had been working on a Ph.D. in Asian art, so it was easy to see why. I took a lot of that stuff off my resume. You know, I took all of it off. I took all advanced degrees off because it put people in the wrong path for where I wanted to go with my brand. And um, I didn't want to be in the academic world anymore or in the nonprofit world, I wanted to, you know, be in a more dynamic world. And so to get there, I had, you know, and there's no reason you can't curate your resume or your story. It all has to be true, but you don't have to tell people everything that you've ever done. So the first step is, you know, analyze to find your brand idea. And, you know, this whole thing of the the Oracle at Delphi, you know, 700 BC, know thyself was, you know, written out by the Oracle. And it's still an issue today. You know, people don't know who they are, how others see them. So, you know, I, I find it very useful to ask open-ended questions like when you think of me, what comes to mind? You know, if I were a famous person, who would it be? And why do you say that? You know, give people, you know, let them talk. And, you know, when you talk to different people and you're hearing a lot of things that are different, then you got a problem because you really want to have a consistent brand. Um, but a lot of people, you, you want to hear what they say because they may say things that you think, oh, God, I don't want to go in that direction, but that's how people are seeing me. Um, how can I change that? Because I, I don't want them to see me that way. I want them to see me, you know, in what my strengths are. 
and stuff like that. You need to understand, you know, what your target audience, how they're feeling, how they see you. And so once you have your unique selling proposition, your brand in a sentence, then you want to, you know, what I call in the book, package the brand, you know, with a visual identity, verbal identity. So you want everything to kind of be on brand. You're, you want to have stories and examples that support your brand positioning. Um, and then the third step is marketing brand you, and that's kind of everything you do to get your brand noticed um, and, you know, build clients or build connections um, so that you, you know, stand for something in the minds of other people that is different and relevant and based on who you are. And it is difficult. Yeah, I started working on my personal brand a bit ago, and I'm still kind of honing it. Right. And unlike you, I mean, I've got all these different things that I can do. I have all these massive skill sets. Sleeping's not one of them, by the way. I catnap. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never learned how to sleep very well. In fact, I woke up this morning. Yeah, I had woke up at 3.30, and I had a cramp in my back, so I took a steaming hot shower, got dressed in the dark, and I kept clawing at my neck in my sleep. Well, I turned my sleep shirt was backwards, and you know, the V right. was in the back, and the hot. I, I kept thinking I was choking. <laughs> my shirt. <on> <laughs> right, right. Listen, there is turn on the light when you're getting dressed, even if you're just going back to bed. But part of the branding, and I was thinking about all of this. I was thinking about what we're going to be talking about, and branding is so, so, so important. But I think, and I think we've alluded a little bit to this, is that you get stuck on a brand. And then, right. you know, like you, you don't want to take all the different skill sets and the different degrees. You don't want to ditch those. Well, yeah, you want to have your brand identity big enough that it encompasses, you know, there you more go. than one thing that you do. Otherwise, right. you're going to be too narrow a brand. But one of the things I did in this book was look at the top ten strategies that the big brands use for marketing their products, you know, the Coca-Colas of the world and all those people, what are the key brand strategies that work and which ones are good for people? And so I selected 10 that were, you know, that I had used in working with clients and, you know, were very powerful positionings. And in the book, I have a chapter on each one and I give examples like from the world of brands. Here's the product that uses this positioning or several products, and then I look at famous people who use that positioning and how you can do it. So if, if that's your strength, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you, you came out strong in leadership. Uh, we have an innovator, you know, these are idea people with a lot of creative ideas, and that's a very powerful positioning for people. So I really tried to put the, you know, top things together. So give people some direction in each of those chapters you know, I talk about brand personalities. You know, people that are innovators are different from mavericks, you know, and engineers, you know, are more methodical in the way they develop ideas. Just as important, you know, all these different traits are important uh, to own. So, because um, that's a key thing, you know, we've, we've, you know, cracked the atom, but we don't know who we are, you know. So this whole thing of know thyself, you know, is an important thing. And, um and when you do do that and know who you are and convey that to other people, um, it's a very powerful thing to own, as you've discovered, you know, with your own business. And, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, it's sort of something you can hang your hat on 
and, you know, work it. Because you might think, you know, you're an introvert, you know, as you said, Denise, but you've made it, you've found an avenue for utilizing that and being who you are and, you know, using a medium like, you know, podcast to connect. And that's, and you have a powerful sense of obviously information and messages that people need to hear else you wouldn't have your audience. True, and I never even thought about it like that. And going back, and thank you, going back, I'm at Chapter 8, Positioning Strategy Number 5, Engineer, and I started laughing a little bit while you were talking because one of the questions, I'm not going to give the whole book away, y'all. Go get the book. But it says, are you an engineer? Do you like fiddling with objects, ideas, or processes to see if you can make them better? So I'm a leader engineer, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. I also yeah, have computer science degrees, so that that makes sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, because my husband's a computer science person, and uh, you know he's very methodical, much more than I am, and um, and that's a powerful way to go because you make things better. You know, you take something and you figure out what's needed that isn't there, and you you know figure it out. Um, so it you know it's a very powerful positioning to have. And, you know, you can weave the two together, you know, uh, the, the leadership, a leader, and engineer, you know, figure out a way to talk about both of them in one sentence. It's an identifying idea. That's what can make, you know, uh, can be powerful to show people how you accomplish things with being a leader who's also an engineer, that you are able to come up with processes and, you know, procedures that, keep that, you know, your leadership on the top, you know, so there, there are things you can do to tie things together. And, you know, as I said, you know, so in this, you know, these 10 ideas here, there, there are different kinds of personalities behind each one. And one, one of the things I found useful in developing this is connecting with the, the personality type, you know, what personality type are you? And as I said, I worked with a PhD from Columbia in developing these personality types um, based on her research and research we did together. So it can give people, you know, direction because I think a lot of us can connect when we think of what our personality is like and what's different about us in terms of personality and then figure out how to translate that into a strength for the business world. Right. And I have to tell you, I loved taking that assessment because it was so easy to read. There were no mm-hmm. real gotcha questions. It was like, oh, okay. I mean, I zipped through that thing, but mm-hmm. then I stopped myself because I went, and I did the whole, you know, remember when we were in school and you had punch, you know, punch this, punch that, and it's going right. to test your IQ, I think. And it's like, ooh, right. can I go back right. and redo that? I don't like right. to second guess myself, but with yours I did. Just for fun, just to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, I didn't change a thing. So oh, my really? Wow. So my were right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they felt right. There are anyway. 200 questions in that test. Yeah, there's 200 questions. So Yeah, but um, I didn't feel was, the need to go back and go, well, I don't know if, how this is going to look, second-guess myself, or go, oh, she's going to think right. I'm stupid if I put this. I didn't do any of that. I just went zip, 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 and I just zipped right through it. Right. Didn't give right. it a whole heck of a lot of thought because I wanted to see where it was going to lead me, and it led me to leadership, which I really wasn't surprised by. But I mm-hmm. found it to be a very enlightening and very easy thing to do. 
Well, the way to take those tests is to write whatever first comes to mind. Because some of the questions that are asked, you know, are maybe difficult if you ponder them. <laughs> so what's best is to just say whatever comes to mind, if you agree with it or you don't agree with it, and then go on to the next one. Because you really want to get into your deeper unconscious in terms of what your strengths are and preferences are and personality type. So I think, you know, you did it the right way because a lot of times people are overanalyzing and you don't get as good a read or thinking about what I want to stand for rather than where I think I am. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I can see why that would happen. That would would happen, yeah. And that can be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's amazing to me that... People don't know who they are, and frankly, they don't spend the time to think about it. And I think that, you know, they get into a job and they get into the nine to five, but they don't think of the bigger bigger picture in terms of who am I, where do I want to go, and how do I want to live my life, and what kind of impact do I want to make on the world, and take some time thinking about those things and, um, you know, and I'm a big believer, and I've discovered it in the consulting work I've done with clients, that almost anything is achievable if you put your mind to it and figure out, you know, step one, I'm going to do this, step two, step three, step four. I'm a, it's amazing. Almost anything is possible. Um, and this is where focus you take is action. Important. You know, you need yes. to focus, really, really focus on what it yeah. is that you want, how you're going to do it, dream it, live it, see it, smell right. it, you know, right. vision boards if you like, whatever it's going to take. But, you know, so right. many people, Tiger Woods comes to mind. I mean, he would, mm-hmm. maybe it was a different athlete, but he got so good at what he was doing because physically he was playing the hoops or smashing the whatever. I find that athletes smash a lot of balls for some reason. Right, but, right. But mm-hmm. you, they, they would do it physically and then also mentally. And in the dream state, I'm playing this, I'm playing this. It's perfect. It's going where it's supposed to go. And I find yeah. that works in real life as well. I think it works very much so in real life, so visualizing. And, uh, you know, I took up golf years ago. And a big thing they tell you in golf is before you hit it, Imagine where, how high it's going to go, how far it's going to go, and just imagine that shot and then get up there and hit the shot. So the visualization is very powerful. And I think a lot of us, you know, give up too soon. <laughs> That's why I'm emphasizing I have found with so many different clients and so many different goals, it's almost anything can be achieved if you put your mind to it and focus on it and then break it down. What is what can I do now? What can I do next? And build on that. It's, it's amazing what can be accomplished. And visualizing yourself as how you want to evolve your brand and just seeing that very clearly in your own mind and becoming, you know. I, I read uh, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, and I was struck by her story of, you know, coming from a relatively poor family on the south side of Chicago and, you know, growing up. But, you know, it was a very strong family, you know, with strong family connections. And, you know, she was told by her guidance counselor, you know, you you can't get, she wanted to apply to Princeton. And, oh, no, you can't get into Princeton. So she defied her because she saw herself as somebody that could go to Princeton. And she applied and she got in. 
you know, and she later went to Harvard Law School. So anyway, yeah, it's that whole ability to visualize yourself. But I love the fact that she named the book Becoming. She's not become yet. She's still becoming. And I think all of us are kind of a work in progress, you know. And oh, gosh, yes. It's every never moment over. every day. No. Yeah, and I'm over. not sure it's over when it's over because, you know, when we're gone, we still leave those memories and those thoughts and, you um, know, the body of work. It's, it's not really – I don't think we really just kind of disappear. And in your book, you talk about the, the branding of Ruth Bader Ginsburg as well. Yes. Which yeah. is fascinating. Yeah, so, I love listen, I, because when you – Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. Let me just Keep going. put this one a little thought. When you think of the Supreme Court court and those nine justices, I think for most of them, we can't cite cases that they worked on or what their legal career was about. I'm not dumbfounded. You know, you know, I may know who they are in terms of, you know, what they look like or their religious beliefs in some cases. Um, but I don't know much about them. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg decided to focus, and she decided to focus her legal career. You know, mm-hmm. she was – uh, graduated first of her class at Columbia Law School, but she couldn't find a job in a law firm in New York City at that time. That was like 50s. And um, so she taught. She taught at Rutgers first, but she also started working on projects for uh, nonprofit organizations on women. She was interested in women's rights. And it was, you know, a big thing at the time, you know. And mm-hmm. um, But she, this was her cause, and she did four, I think it was six cases before the U.S. Supreme Court and won them all. And so she got, you know, a lot of human rights for women codified uh, in the legal system, and she became known for that. And I think that's one of the reasons why she so well, became so well-known as a chief justice, you know, and, you know, she was easy to mimic with her, you know, her collars. And, uh, you know, she had a different visual identity. She certainly had a very good branding sense. You know, she stood for something. People knew what she stood for, women's rights. And, you know, she had a different look and feel. She got very involved in a lot of speeching, uh, speech making uh, to women's groups across the country, you know, and, and achieved real, you know, fame in that, that area of owning an idea that was a big idea at the time. Women didn't have a lot of rights, you know, if the husband died, a lot of women couldn't inherit in certain states, you know, so, you know, there were a lot, there was a lot of injustice based on gender. And, uh, and so she made a difference. And listen to the audience, because we're running out of time. When you buy this book, go to page 143. And read the part about visual speak louder than words. And here you're talking about when Justice Ginsburg wore her dissent right. collar, and then she had yes. uh, a majority opinion collar. I did not know. I had no clue. I find that fascinating. Yeah, each of her collars had a message, but those were the two that she used most. But then people started giving her collars as gifts, you know, so uh, or just they were a fan and said, "I made this for you," you know, crocheted it for you or whatever. Um, and uh, you know, so that was, I think, a very incredible thing because she, based on the, the um, jewelry she was wearing, the necklace she was wearing, the collar, people could know whether she was part of the dissent or uh, part of the winning side. So uh, that that was a very powerful thing, and you know, made it easy to copy on Saturday Night Live. Not many Supreme Court justices have been had their portrait. 
portrayed by one of the actors on Saturday Night Live that she had. So I yeah, had no was, idea. Yeah, yeah. No, they each had a message, but the one she, you know, the one that was like the sense there was like spikes on it, you know. So it yeah. was like kind of like an angry looking uh, necklace or collar. You know, now I have to go look at pictures. I I just had yeah. no idea. Catherine, listen, mm-hmm. we're running out of time. We're still we lost the uh, the streaming, but we're still recording, so okay. we can keep on talking a little bit. But where can people find you? Okay, they can find me at my website, selfbrand.com, S-E-L-F-B-R-A-N-D.com. And I also have a personal website, um, katherinecaputa.com. And one of the reasons I, you know, use self-brand mainly is because people can pick up the word and also it gives them direction on what it's about, personal branding, selfbrand.com. My name, my last name is spelled with a K. My first name is spelled with a C. So I'm not, you know, I'm trying to avoid some of the confusion about how do you spell her name. But anyway, it's Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-K-A-P-U-T-A dot com is my personal website. Gotcha. Is there anything else? Say it again. Okay. Well, there's information on the book uh, on both of those websites. Absolutely great. Okay. Where... Before I let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, kind of point out or share before we end this? Because this has been fascinating. In fact, I'm probably going to call you a little bit later and say, can you come back? We didn't make it all the way through this book. Yeah, we didn't and make it through. A lot. <laughs> no, we did not. In fact, I'll just ask you right now while we're on the radio and you can't tell me no. Would you be able to come back in, you know, three or four months? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Okay, good. See, that's tricky, isn't it? You can't tell me no. It's just yeah, tricky. Yeah, I'm afraid of all these people. <laughs> no, I, I can't. No, nobody ever does. It's amazing. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, right, right. But exactly. before we go, tell people anything. Well, you we make it easy, just... too, by the way, as an interview. Oh, thank so you. You'd be, I mean, that makes a big difference because it feels very comfortable and homey. Well, and, it uh, should that's because important. we're having yeah. a conversation. I mean, I'm not trying to do gotcha questions or put you on the spot. Well, I did put you on the spot once. But you said yes. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. no, it's been wonderful speaking with you, and I, I thank you for all of the terrific tips and advice. Right. I'm really looking forward yeah. to you coming back. Just, but yeah, before we say goodbye, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, now I'm interrupting you. Is there any kind of last-minute thoughts that you really want people to know before we go on to the next yeah. podcast in a Just couple months? Last, you know, you are your most important asset. You know, you're an asset no one can take away from you. And that's why I think personal branding is important, to make the most of that asset that is you and, you know, to, be, to become who you really are. And I think it's something we all have the ability to do. And um, it gives you more control. And I think that's important. And particularly the new world of work where there's so much dynamic change, it's important to feel like you are in charge of your own identity. You are in charge of yourself and your career. That is very powerful. Well, thank very. and thanks for having me here. Yeah, no, it's, it's oh my pleasure. Think of yourself as an asset, and the asset that is you is very powerful. And I think that take charge of that asset. No one can take it away from you. Absolutely. Well, listen. Before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher, 
uh, Audible. We're in Audible. Just anywhere you consume your business podcast, the truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. And be sure to go visit Catherine on her website. Catherine, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. One last thought. My my Uh formula for success, hard work plus branding equals success. So hard work is not enough. It's important, but it's not enough. Hard work plus branding equals success. Well, and people don't know you if you haven't taken the time or the energy to find out who you are and how you're going to show up. So that makes perfect sense. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for much. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 